the Sunday Sermons Podcast. Thank you for worshiping with us. And um, man, you guys really were singing today, and that's a blessing to us. I know it's a blessing to God. I'm excited today to uh, wrap up a summer-long series simply called Love. We've been doing a deep dive into what God calls love, how God defines love. We don't even have an English word. We got love, but it could mean a lot of things. But agape, is we keep coming back to that one because it's, it's so much richer and fuller. Agape summarizes all the stuff about God, all the stuff about love all at once. We've looked at this chart over and over, uh, the diagram that kind of, it's just kind of puts everything that Paul says in this passage we've been exploring about love. And it reminds us that, that love, God's love is in that sweet spot in the middle. When, when we really love like God, it, it defines us. It defines who we are. It's how we look at life, how we approach every situation and every relationship. And so we always do certain things. We never do others. Today, we're looking at the last phrase. It's only three words. It's honestly, though, the hardest one for me to wrestle with. I left it to the end, not just because it's at the end and that makes sense, but because it's the hardest. Because again, we we talk about what words mean a lot here because I think it's important that we understand exactly what the scriptures is telling us. It's easy to misunderstand when you translate into other languages. But I think it's especially important here because depending on how how you define the word fails, this could be a lie. And we know it's not a lie, it's in the scripture. But if you say that failing, love failing, would mean that you love somebody and they don't love you back, how many knows that happens all the time, right? You love someone and they don't become a loving person like God and like you, that that happens all the time, right? And if that's what failure looks like, then, then... Love never fails is not true, but it is true. And in the original language, that word is actually falls. This is, as far as I know, it's the only place in the New Testament where it's translated as fails, because here I think it is metaphorically meaning that in the sense of this idea stands or falls on this one concept. Have you ever used that word like that, falls? It's like that. But what it really says in the original is love never falls. In other words, love never crumples. Love never just passes out. Love never just dies. Love never runs out of batteries. Love never loses power. Are you with me? Love just, it's not love's fault if it doesn't work. I think an easy way to say it would be like this. Love never totally gives up. And if you would say that out loud with me, I like to have people say things out loud with me just because I've read that it actually sticks better and I want this to stick. So say it out loud with me, if you will. Love never totally gives up. And here's the really amazing, hopeful thing I'd love for you to latch on to here at the beginning Let it ride on through the rest of this message and the rest of your life. God's love, this agape love, it's bigger than life. It's it's literally bigger than life. It's who he was before he created the world. It's who he'll be forever. 
Love outlasts any relationship you'll ever have, whether it's a healthy one or an unhealthy one. The idea, God's concept of love and God himself and the love that he inspires inside of us if we let him, the love he empowers us, the love he commands us to share, that's bigger than anything you'll ever face. It's bigger than the universe. It's bigger than anything. It can't quit. It can't run out of power. There's nothing in this world as powerful as God's love. That's what the psalmist was saying. We looked at this last week. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. In other words, I I realize my life is only finite, but your love is not. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. I was actually shocked last week how many people knew this chorus. So I'm going to put up the lyrics this time. This is a Maranatha singer's song from 1974. I learned this song as a little kid. And some of you weren't born. And some of you remember when it came out. Anyway, sing it with me if you can. It's very simple, but let's just worship God here in the middle as well. Thy loving kindness is better than life. Thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee. I will lift up my hands unto thy name. I guess the lyrics aren't up there after all. So, Well, good job anyway. So I hope this makes sense now as we move on. Paul continues this passage. We've looked at this one paragraph over and over. The paragraph ends, but the idea does not. He goes on. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. Through the years, Christians have read so much into this passage, and I'm not going to go down any of those rabbit holes this morning. But I I, I know that at least, bottom line, in context, it has to mean this. The most complete thing for God's dreams to come true is if we love like he loves. He's always going to, as long as there is time, as long as there is a world that's broken, he's going to have to speak through people. He's gonna have to give us words of encouragement and words of rebuke. There's always gonna be prophecy as long as we still need that here. Are you following me on this? We're gonna need knowledge. We're going to need to communicate with him and with each other in several different ways. But love transcends all of that. And, And if we can say God's words really well, that's really cool. If we can pray really well and talk to each other really eloquently, whether that's speaking in tongues or whether that's just talking well, that's great. But if we can love, that's the thing. That's the really amazing supernatural dream that God has for each of us. And I believe that's got to be at least at the root of what Paul is talking about here. When he says, he goes on, when I was a child, I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I, my thoughts grew far beyond those of my childhood. See, kids are all selfish. How many have ever been around little kids? 
right? I'm not, not knocking them. We're all still those little kids deep down inside. But we, you have to teach little human beings how to not be selfish. You have to teach them to share. You have to teach them to read the room. You have to teach them to that they're not the only person and the most important person in the universe, right? That, we're, that doesn't come naturally to us. But as we go, most of us at least, we learn how to do that and life is better because we do. But only God can take that to the nth degree. Only God can take it to love the way he loves, love the way his spirit in us can empower us to love. And so all of that combined is why Paul says at the very end of this chapter, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. We're not going to need faith in heaven. We're not going to need hope in heaven. We need it now. Boy, do we need it now. But love, it's forever. Love is the very essence of God. Hope and faith is us trusting in that. Are we tracking? Does this make sense? So all of this is the deep, amazing, encouraging truth that we need to hold on to because the next part is hard and the next part is just as true and real. It's just this part hurts. Love often gets rejected or betrayed. You don't even need to say that out loud. I know that already sticks. You know this one. Love often gets rejected or betrayed. It happens to you. It happens to me. It happens to God. And it hurts every single time. And it, it doesn't really make sense because it, it seems like it would be so much easier to love people who are patient and kind and don't boast. And does that make sense? If we're all loving people, it seems like we'd be really easy to love. And even if we mess up, if they're trying to be that kind of person, it seems like at least Christians would always get along, right? We'd all get, everything would go great. But not always. And it always hurts. And deep down inside, without God transforming each one of us from the inside out, without his spirit, we're all going to still be like little children. We're going to be proud and rude and irritable and all those things enough that we're not going to ever make a lifetime commitment and do whatever it takes to keep that going. When it gets too hard, we're going to jump out. I'm not blaming anybody. I hope you know this is not judgment. This is not, if if somebody has rejected you, I'm certainly not blaming you. I'm just saying, this is a reality that we all face. This is why it's so hard to read lines in the Bible like, love never fails and go, well, my love did. Right? but, But your love didn't. It wasn't love's fault. How many of you guys stop at traffic lights? Anybody? Please tell me you, okay. <laughs> Sometimes I ask questions and nobody responds. I'm like, seriously? Nobody? Okay, so here's the thing. That, it amazes me. Sometimes I just, if you ever see me driving, I'm always thinking about something. I'm never gonna wave at you because I just don't see you. I'm sorry, I see cards and lines and thinking and praying. Anyway, sometimes I giggle at lights just thinking about how ridiculous it is that we all just stop. The little light switches and everybody stops. What a miracle. It's hard to get anybody to do anything. You know what I'm saying? But we all just do that. But what happens when we don't? Crashes, right? 
You know that intersection down there by uh, Kroger and Lowe's and stuff? You, you see that all the time. Just hang out there. You'll see it. It happens all the time. I don't know what's going on down there, but they're just always forgetting how lights work, okay? Just always. Here's the thing. It's not the light's fault. It's a good system. Traffic lights are a good system. It's not the traffic light's fault. It's our fault. We're the ones who mess up. But we mess up all the time, just like that intersection. In fact, it gets so far sometimes for some of us that God just kind of says, fine, see how that works out for you. Just do it. And he lets us think our own way. He lets us get so far in Romans chapter one. And by the way, I think it says that, yeah, it says it on the screen in your handout. There's a misprint. It says 12, Romans 12. That's Romans one, verse 32. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do those very things, but also approve of those who practice them. We see this in our world today. We've seen it in every era there's ever been in history. Not only do we stop obeying God, not only do we reject God, we go the other direction and we say things that God believes in are evil. We, we, we go people who, who stand up for stuff that's against God are the good guys. Our cult, every culture has done this throughout time. If you see our culture doing that, it's not the first time that's ever happened. Are you with me on this? It's how it works. It's because God says, no, this is true. This is how it works. This is how I created you. This is how love works. This is how life works. This is how your body works. Blah, 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 blah. God throws it all out there. And if we, we, we reject him, Paul lays this out, we reject him. And then we start looking to other things to worship instead. And there's this slippery slope. And eventually, we believe that the opposite of good is good. And the opposite of truth is true and we're, and we're all on board with anybody who agrees with it. That's not judgment. That's what happens over and over. That's what Paul's talking about in Romans 1. In, in, in Luke 15, we see Jesus' heart for the lost, God's heart for the lost. Those are the three lost stories. I know you know those. There's a lost sheep. What's the shepherd do? Goes to look for him. That's right. Okay. What, there's a woman who loses a coin. What's she do? Goes to look for it. And then there's a father. I, I think it's interesting. We always call that one the prodigal son. I think it should be the really good dad. Because he's got the one son that on the surface is doing everything right, but he doesn't really know his dad at all. And he just lets him do his thing. And he, he goes ahead and gives him his inheritance at the same time he gives the younger brother his inheritance. And he lets him do his thing. But he waits until that moment. He waits until his son comes to him and goes, this isn't fair, what's going on? And then he reveals his heart and his son gets it. That's a good dad. And the other son rejects this really good dad the other son is just a complete jerk about the whole situation but he lets him go not because he doesn't care but because he does he knows the only chance he has so let him go for a bit and here's the next big truth that that leads us to Love never falls, love never falls down, love never crumples. But I promise you, if you really love anybody God's way, you will fall at the feet of Jesus over and over again. I'm sorry. 
every day. The more you love, the more you're just going to crumple at the feet of Jesus every single day. Because people are going to break your heart. They're going to break God's heart. They're going to reject your love and they're going to reject God's love. And, And it hurts. But his love can flow through us. And that's why we pray in the first place. Jesus didn't teach us what to pray. He taught us how to pray. That whole idea of praying, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's that whole prayer. How many know what I'm talking about? If you memorize it and sometimes you recite it and you find meaning in that, praise God. I do too. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm saying that the main thing he was trying to do there was show us this is how you approach God. This is the perspective that you use when you pray. You're resyncing yourself with him and his will. He is a father, but he's also heavenly. He is good. And primarily what we're praying for is that his will be done. Primarily, we're saying not, hey, give me this, give me this, give me this, give me this. We're saying, okay, give me what I need today. You know best, right? And we're, we're acknowledging that we need forgiveness. And we're acknowledging that we have people that we need to forgive. And the only way we can is, is to pass on forgiveness that he gives us. And this daily resinking with Jesus, falling at his feet... That is sometimes the only thing we can do when people reject us. That's the only thing you can do. Sometimes there's others and you need to do those, but that's another story. I'm encouraging you this morning. Sometimes all you can do is pray and you need to. It is absolutely embracing the unfallible power of love to fall and crumple at the feet of Jesus on behalf of someone else. And we need to do it more than we've ever done it before. Paul says, we always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. He says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In Colossians, he says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives. I love how throughout the New Testament, you see people falling at the feet of Jesus, literally. In the Gospels, when Jesus is physically walking around, you see him, them coming right up to Jesus and falling at his feet. Uh, there's so many great stories about that. Jairus and, and the woman who he healed on the way to heal Jairus' daughter. And there's just so many. One of my personal favorites is when a father comes to Jesus and asks that he gets rid of the demons that are messing with his son. And the disciples had already been trying. They'd already been trying to kick that demon out. And Jesus had given them authority to do so. We don't, none of us have authority over demons, but Jesus can give that to us as the children of God. The demons have to leave. This devil himself has to leave if we tell him to in Jesus' name. You, you know this, right? If you're a child of God, it's not you, but you've got that authority because of who your daddy is, right? 
if he's really your daddy. So that had already happened, but they're trying their best and this demon won't leave. He just won't leave. And so the, the guy comes and falls at the feet of Jesus. And I love this guy. He's one of my favorite guys in the whole Bible because he reminds me so much of me. Jesus asked him, do you believe that I can help your son? And he says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I even need you to help me believe enough. I do believe. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm falling at your feet. But I even need you to help me believe more. I need need you to help me believe in you enough to even pray this prayer. And I need you to help me believe by answering this prayer. Show me your power, God. That that reminds me of almost every prayer I ever pray. Well, Jesus does kick the demon out, and it's pretty easy because he's Jesus. Mark 9, 28. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, this kind can only come out by prayer. hear, Hear me on this. This is a... Another rabbit hole, we're just going to dip our toes in. We're going to keep going, okay? I'm not sure how all the demon hierarchies work or exactly. I don't, I, don't, I don't even know. I don't care at this point. Not today anyway. But here's what I know. When God gives you authority to do stuff, there's some stuff you can just do and just move on. But there's some stuff that you still have to pray about. There's, we still have to sink ourselves to God. It's like if you've got a phone, how many's got a, hold up a phone if you've got a phone with you this morning. Okay. None of those are plugged in right now, right? Okay. But if you want to update them, if you want to do something special with them, if you really want to make sure you've got them for the whole rest of the day, what do you have to do? You've got to recharge them. Prayer is when we plug right back in. Prayer, prayer is when we connect to the actual power source. And God gives us some stuff. God gives us some authority, some, some ability, some stuff that he, we can do on our own. And it ultimately all comes from him. But we can do some stuff and just do it. But there's always going to be some stuff that you cannot do without syncing up with him again. Are you with me? The prayer is the key. And it's not just demons. It's a lot of stuff. Okay? And that's what Jesus is telling them at this. Another time they, they accused Jesus of having demons in him. Jesus knew his, their thoughts and said to them, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. A house divided against itself will fall. Hear me on this. There's always going to be people in our community in Morrison Hill Christian Church, in Roan County, in the church at large. There's always going to be people who reject God and reject us for whatever reason, at least for a season. It's going to happen, and it hurts. It wrecks me every time. I know to expect it, and it still hurts every single time. Anybody else? Okay. Five of you. I I expected more, but... But again, the prayer is, this, is a big part of this secret here. Be, uh, like Billy Graham once said, you cannot pray for someone and hate them at the same time. And if you are throwing your feet at the feet of Jesus on behalf of someone else, day after day after day after day, there's no guarantee that they will change, but there is a guarantee that you will. 
And you're doing everything that you possibly can to resync with the actual power source. So keep that up. Paul says, who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall. And when they will stand for the, and they will stand for the Lord is able to make them stand. All the way back in the Psalms, it says the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. I love what Max Lucado said. He said, our prayers may be awkward, our attempts may be feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. I'd like you to read that one out loud with me, okay? This is powerful. I want this to stick. Our prayers may be awkward. No, 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 no. The same thing. Sorry. (laughs) Our prayers may be awkward. Our attempts may be feeble. But since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. And go ahead and say the next part with me too. Just throw that up there. There it is. Ready? Love is action plus relationship. That should look really familiar. In one way or another, we've said that every single week this whole summer. But that's how love does. That's how God's love does. It does stuff. And it creates relationships. That, that's, that's how it works. And if we're going to actually reach the world for Jesus, we're going to get this done. So this morning, as we wrap up this series, as we get the next one about to get started, you'll hear more about that next week. I just want to let you know that what this looks like on a daily basis can be very private, like falling at Jesus' feet to pray. It can look like all the relationships we do here. This big group right here, Sunday school classes, growth groups, and Bible studies, and all the other stuff that we do to help you connect with people. And sometimes it looks like service. Sometimes it has to. And if you're not actually somehow or another tangibly serving others, you're missing a big part of what it looks like to love Jesus. If, if, there's not, if you're not using your gifts, your passions, your relationships, your resources somehow to bless the world, a big part of what Jesus is asking us to do when he says to love like he loves is missing. Here's just a couple of ideas here at the church. This isn't even the whole thing. In fact, if you've got your bulletins with you, um, and if you're joining us online, welcome, by the way. I don't think I said that to the camera. Hi. You should have it digitally. All of you should have a handout that lists a bunch of them. I'm sure we probably missed a couple of them. Uh, But the idea of this is we have a bunch of ministries already. Maybe some of you have some burning in your heart that need to start This week, before the ministry fair, we all need to communicate as much as we can before next week. But at the ministry fair, you're going to do this. So I'm going to just race through several possibilities, just a couple of them this morning. But my goal here is that you just catch this dream, catch this fire. That you spend this week saying, God, where do you want me to serve? And I know many of you are already serving God. Bless you. Maybe you need to back off. A couple of you might need to... Stop doing two or three things and concentrate on one or two of them, okay? But, but if you're not serving anywhere, here's some of the places. Number one, we always need youth leaders. Always. If you could work with preschoolers, if you could work with children, preteens, teenagers, young adults, anybody who's younger than you, 
We need older adults to work with adults who aren't really that young, but they're younger than you. If you can mentor somebody, we always need that. And Billy, there he is right there. It's true, right? We always need help with you. There's so many ways. And you don't have to teach. There's other options as well. You can fix food and play games and all kinds of stuff. Anyway, we need lots of adult leaders. Lots. Because as our church grows, we're going to get bigger and bigger by getting more and more small groups. Okay? We're, not, we're only going to be able to reach so many people by having them show up in this room. But we can transform lives by having lots and lots of groups that do life together. We need more leaders who do that. We've got several great ones, but we need more. If you're interested in that, pray about it. Come and talk to us. We'll walk you through that. Uh, we need friendly people. We actually have teams of welcoming people and people that open the doors and answer questions, but we also just need you to do that. And we're not looking for introverts to just really suck it up. We're asking, some of you are gifted in this. Some of you are naturally just really friendly. Some of you have a supernatural gift of hospitality or encouragement. We'd love for you to do that. You can do it informally or you could let us know you want to be on the team and we'll work with you on that. We need a lot of drivers. There's always people that would come here if somebody would give them a ride. You could give them a ride in your own car and you don't need to go through any other channels other than to just be the friend that always brings them to church. If you'd like, we also have this new bus and you jump through just a couple of hoops and make sure you don't have a really terrible driving record and you could drive that. We could get a whole bunch of people all at once. But we'd love to have some more drivers. Again, we have so many people doing so many things all the time. The new landscaping going on. We've got John and Frank and so many others that do stuff around these buildings all the time. You guys just have no idea. We have people that go out and serve. They do things like build playgrounds and stuff here on campus. And they go and fix stuff for people. Sometimes people we don't even know. People in the community. Widows and whoever else just needs help. It's, it's great. I'm not saying none of this is happening. I'm saying this needs to come. Come to define us as a body. Every one of us needs to figure out where am I using my gifts? How am I using what God gave me? Is this tracking? We're right here at the end. I hope, I hope you're hearing me. One of the um, really big needs that we have is running sound in here. And uh, Noah asked me to remind you, just like we would with anything else. We will train you. You don't have to have a degree in sound engineering to run sound. It's on an iPad. We'll show you how it works. But if you're interested in being part of that, we could really use some help with that as well. There's so many others. Next week will be a ministry fair. In between now and then, there's a bunch of days in a row. Contact us. Come and ask me. I would love to figure out how to do this. But here at the end, one last reminder. This is not about Morrison Hill. This is not about me. This is not about us. This is about Jesus. This is not some radical new idea that our church is coming up with. Oh my gosh, what if we serve the community? This is what it looks like. This is what we're called to do. This is what Jesus modeled for us when he left everything to come and save us. This is what he commanded us to do. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all of the things I've commanded. And I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. This is what we do. This is who we are. We're just trying to take it up to the next level and get more and more people on board. We're trying to grow that snowball. Are you with me? All right. 
If you've got a, anything at all you need to come forward and pray about or decide or choose today, we're going to give you a chance like we always do. If you'd like it to be more private, come and pray with me at the very back. But we're going to give you a chance to just surrender to God one more time as we stand and sing.